Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Bobby Brown is one of the best slope style and big air comp skiers of all time, but he's currently focused on finding out what he's capable of in the backcountry. So I talked to Bobby about his trajectory, and we then get pretty granular talking about the art of landings, air awareness, and making midair adjustments. We also talk about filming with his brother Peter, who he enjoys watching these days, and what's next for him. One of my big takeaways from this conversation is that Bobby is a guy who is clearly always paying attention, always analyzing, and is always eager to learn more and explore. So yeah, this is a really good one. I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. And so let's go ahead and get right to it. Well, Bobby, how are you today and where are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great today. I am currently in Jackson, Wyoming. I've uh, been spending the whole season out here, and um, looks like we're going to get a couple bluebird days coming up. So just posted up here, kind of waiting for the weather to clear. Okay. So no, you weren't on the mountain today? Uh, we were out sledding and checking out a zone that we're going to be shooting the next two days. Got it. All right. Well, hey, I'm man, I'm looking forward to this conversation, and, and really just, um, it seemed like a good time to just check in with you and see what life is looking like these days. And one of the things is I had recently watched Dynamic Medium again. You know, it's funny in that film, you're like, man, this proved this past season proved to be your best or one of your favorite seasons. The film, I think, does a really good job of kind of laying out why that was the case. But it got me interested in the question of like, well, now I want to hear about this season. If you just had your favorite season or best season, how's this one going for you? Yeah. I mean, last season at the time was the best. I, I kind of think every season is better than the past just because you get more opportunities and you have more knowledge. And I think that like, to be totally honest, like last year I watched that film and I'm like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know what I was doing there, you know, doing that. It, it was such a learning experience. And I think like that was really cool that it made such an impact on me just because I didn't think the skiing was there, but I thought just we opened the door to a whole different realm that this year we're trying to figure out even more. And not that we have anything dialed by any means, but like the fact that we went through all that last year and experienced all that has really set us up just, I think, into the future to slowly keep learning, keep stacking more knowledge and get to the type of skiing that I really, really want to get to, which will take time, but um, we're putting in the work, that's for sure. Okay. I got to ask you some specifics about what you've just said. I mean, talking about maybe all the knowledge wasn't there, not that I think all the knowledge is ever there for us, but when you're saying you weren't quite sure if the skiing was there, break down a little more specifically like what you're talking about when you're saying things like that. Yeah, I just think, uh, I mean, I was coming off that injury from the previous year and I, I honestly didn't know if I'd be skiing again. The injury was pretty extensive. So it was just, you know, that was the first thing where I'm like, okay, can my knee handle what's going on? And 
I, I don't want to degrade my skiing because of my injury and this and that. And so that was, you know, the first check, check the box where I'm like, okay, I can do this. I feel pretty healthy and was still kind of getting back to my old self. But then it really was just like, can I look at the terrain and can I assess the terrain? Can I work with all the variables, whether it's the, you know, the sun or the weather or the snow conditions, the wind, all these different things. And can I put the little calculation together and give myself the best chance to ski that thing how I want? You know, last year you saw there's a lot of jumps and a lot of things that had very, that were super park influenced that just let me ease my way kind of into backcountry zones and into different stuff. And you know, this year we've kind of taken that knowledge of last year and been like, okay, I don't want to hit jumps. I don't want to do that. I kind of want to look at the mountain in a whole different way. And the only way that we've, you know, garnered this new perspective is by going out and doing things that were like, ah, maybe next time I wouldn't do it that way. So kind of like I said, you've had to like go out and do things that we end up not being too stoked on in order to put us in a place where we can actually look at something and be like, we can actually do that. You know, now we're connecting the dots rather than going out there last year and just a Hail Mary into everything. It's like, okay, there's a progression. And now I can kind of visualize how I'm going to get to that next point. So it's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> learning stuff, learning new <laughs> stuff usually is, right? Yeah, straight up. And it, yeah, I mean, every day has been like some new challenge that's kind of, you know, we've dealt with the next day, but it hasn't seemed like a challenge the next day. So it's, it's crazy, man. It's been, it's been wild. So I want to ask about the injury for a second. I mean, you just said like, you know, this injury happens. You're like, I'm not sure if I'm really going to ever be able to ski again, or at least ski at the level you want to be skiing at. It's so interesting. Like watching that landing, I was like, seriously, this landing, this is the thing that in a decade long career of doing it at a super high level. This is the landing where it almost, you know, maybe put an end to your career. I, I just am curious, I guess, your perspective on that. It's like, that can't be like the most awkward landing you ever thought you were about to touch down on. Yeah, I mean, no, it's always those ones that kind of do it, uh, do you in. Yeah, I mean, I've fallen like on my head and, you know, on my face on, you know, every single body part and gotten action absolutely destroyed. And that was one where I just landed back seat and then kind of went to my back. And in the film, it kind of looks like I really hurt my right knee, but I ended up hurting my left. So it's just like, I mean, that's kind of how it is. It just is like that perfect torque on the knee at the, you know, the worst possible angle kind of, you know, destroyed my knee. And what I ended up doing was my the bones came together and I ended up taking the top of the bone pretty much off just to straight, all the cartilage was gone. And so it was uh, right when I did it, I've never blown my ACL or anything, but I'm like, Oh man, my knees blown, like my ligament, blah, blah, blah. And then went down, did the tests. And I'm like, man, maybe I could do this. And then, you know, something we didn't tell in the film was that I skied on it for another two months or another month and tried to get through the Olympic qualifying series and went to mammoth and, put a couple runs down, which I was so surprised that was possible. And then I go in to get the MRI and they're like, whoa, yeah, this thing is uh, destroyed. So, you know, I, I did that OATS procedure, osticular, can't remember the A, but uh, something transplant and I have a cadaver piece of bone with cartilage put into my knee. And so it's taken a long time for that to bond and to heal. And then for the cartilage and the bone to kind of be able to take all the hits that, you know, I'm accustomed to. Did they give you, right, like immediately post-op, 
hey, good news, that went super well. We think you'll be back, you know, skiing at 100%. Or were they like, well, the first step went well. Now it's kind of on you to not screw up the next whatever, you know, six to 12 months of rehab to get this thing right. Yeah, that's kind of, that's definitely what it was. It was like, man, like the way it came in, the way the, the plug went into the bone was perfect and seamless. And, you know, the rest is like, hey, it's going to take up to 16 months to even get back. And I kind of pushed it and was back a lot sooner than that, than that <laughs> which I kind of look back on. I'm like, man, I was, that was pretty sketchy, but it, you know, it worked out all right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I went in for an MRI this fall just to check it out, just to make sure everything's all good. And you couldn't even tell that that new piece was a new piece at all. It had bonded to my, to my bone and pretty much was almost seamless. So it was uh, a true testament to the doctor, Dr. Hackett out of Vail. And he was just the man about the whole process and so helpful. And so I, you know, him and his team did a lot for me. So I really appreciate all of their help um, from that end. Question about landings. Yeah. Uh, we just talked about one that, again, didn't look wild gnarly, but um, was consequential. Watching Dynamic Medium again, I was just thinking about, and you know, you kind of open by talking about this injury, right, in the film. But I was like, man there's a whole lot of jumps you're hitting in that film in real flat light. And I, my, my question was, I mean, granted, you've been doing this, you know, uh, for a long time, but I was like, apparently Bobby just doesn't need to see his landings or there's some sixth sense. Like talk to, like, seriously, talk to me about that. Um, yeah. I mean, like I honestly, I think all us free skiers and people who, you know, are accustomed to being in the air, like, you just develop this extra sense that like you can literally close your eyes in the landing or like your hood comes over your eyes, but you can just like stick your heels out a little bit. You can feel the tail of your ski kind of connect with the snow and then you can kind of fold them right down to the snow, um, which is like this crazy thing. And then, you know, when you get hurt or you're out for a bit or you're coming back from a big break, like the way you approach jumps and the speed kind of gets thrown off. So it's kind of, you know, when you're in the flow of things, it's pretty, we were talking about this the other day because in the BC, you know, it's kind of a variable in run. There's a lot of, you know, bumps and fresh snow and to, to gauge the speed's kind of difficult. But for some reason, it's been a pretty good year of doing the first hits and actually hitting uh, the sweet spot. But we were just like, man, how does your brain calculate all this crazy stuff in like a millisecond and put you in the right spot? And it's something I really can't explain, but when you see someone with crazy air awareness, it it's kind of, nowadays like it used to just seem so normal to me. But now when I like watch X Games or I watch some of the younger park riders, I'm like, holy shit, dude! How did you land that? I mean, it's yeah, it, it's just like you're in the flow, and it just somehow happens. I cannot explain, you know, for the life of me, what happens. But it's a it's a pretty cool moment when you know you you get out of something that's a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's like if we're skiing around Crested Butte and it's like, okay, well, the light's not perfect. The landing's not perfect. It's like, I'll find a thousand excuses, right? And it's like you and uh, and some of your peers, it's like, well, you either don't have that luxury or you don't need it, you know? And um, I guess, I mean, you just said, you're like, dude, I don't really know. Um, I don't know what the kind of secret sauce is to air awareness. So, but I guess I'm I've, I'm tempted to still ask, like, do you view that as just being like, man, I think maybe some people have it and some don't versus like, let's say 
the native ability versus experience? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's, I mean, it's kind of crazy because you look at certain people who even professional skiers and people who are doing slope and pipe and there are people that no matter how much you'd ski, there'd be people that would be better at it. And you'd be like, man, that guy just has it. Like he has a switch that he can flip in his mind and he knows exactly where he is. And there's other people that, you know, might have more flow or, you know, spin on a different axis. But there's a couple people that you're like, oh, that guy could literally land on his feet no matter what happened. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think maybe it's I don't know if it's developed young or you're born with it or what. But there's there's definitely, you know, levels to it where, uh, you know, there's a couple special people that are really on the top of that. I guess related question. Um, I found myself thinking about. I mean, you've you've been up top for a long time, and I guess I was curious to ask you if you had to evaluate your own strengths as a skier, what would you say is maybe a bit of a standout quality? Like we just talked about air awareness, right? Take the top 10 or top 50 or 100 skiers out there. If you're like, well, this is actually what I kind of think I have that native ability at, or I don't know, how would you answer the question? Yeah, I mean, that's tough, tough to kind of give yourself uh, give yourself the accolade. Um, but I think like when I look back on my contest career and stuff like that, I, I was able to just go big off the jumps. I mean, I'm a bigger guy and that's just like where I made up for my lack of technicality on the rails per se. You know, like I would just be like, all right, let's go to the bottom and let's do the biggest trick I could possibly do. And I think that's definitely what I was known for. Um, and, you know, to this day, I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, I'm trying to ride different lines and take different features and just look at the mountain differently. And so it's been this crazy transition kind of going from falls to the wall, just go as big as you can. And it's a one hitter to being like, let's link some stuff together and let's get into that flow and just kind of change the type of writing. And, and that's been, you know, a challenge, but it's also been super fun just because I've been so used to writing a certain way that trying to transition and just look at stuff with a whole new light has, you know, just been a learning process. But like you said, learning's pretty fun. And, you know, each day kind of <laughs> makes it like it's fresh, you know, and, and after writing contests and being, you know, a certain type of skier, it's really refreshing to kind of just take a whole new angle on things. So talk about, say, the ability or your ability to make adjustments in the air. You know, that's a different thing. And I just would love to hear you talk about that aspect of this. Yeah, I mean, that's like such a cool feeling too, you know, like, and that's something that all the top guys can do, you know, like not every takeoff feels, feels amazing. And uh, when you kind of take off the lip and you kind of get stuck, like you don't get enough pop off the lip, you get into this weird spot when you're like, okay, I need to do something. I don't really know what to do, but my body kind of knows what to do and, and it'll like make the rotation tighter or you will, you know, open up to make sure you land on your feet. And, uh, like in that, you know, that triple cork that I tried that I ended up hurting my knee, I knew right when I took off the lip, I knew I, there was no way I was getting it around. And so that's kind of why I landed in a crunch and that's why I went to my back a little bit. So, um, I mean, that's a pretty sweet feeling. The best feeling, you know, is when you get really sick pop. And you're in the air and you're like, oh my God, I'm just going to chill and mess around <laughs> with this one day. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to like tweak that a little bit or I'm going to, you know, do something kind of funky. And so 
there's two sides of it. You know, when you're about to mess up and, you know, fall pretty hard, you can kind of, your body just does something. But when you get a chill and kind of just fall into it, I mean, that there's really no better feeling because your mind is working so fast and it slows everything down and it literally feels slow motion. And you can remember like these certain moments, like when I, in dynamic medium, I did a triple cork in the back country. And I just remember taking off the lip and I go down to grab mute. And right when I grabbed mute, it was right in front of my binding. And then I was like, dude, I got it. I'm fine. And then I remember the whole three flips. And then the landing, I landed kind of in a bomb hole, but kind of bounced through. And it was just this crazy, it's crazy how your mind kind of logs that and makes it such like a powerful memory, just because I think it's kind of that extreme thing that gets kind of burnt into your brain. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet feeling when you can work within that slow-mo time that you're kind of given. And for the most part, once you hit that, you come off that jump the right way, it's instinct. Yeah, for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you get like when you are coming in, whether you're switch or forward and you get the perfect pop, like and you can just feel that it's going to come around really well. And that was kind of the crazy thing about contests is that a lot of the time things wouldn't feel the right pop off the off the lip and you'd kind of have to make it work and you'd never know for most of the guys if they kind of like missed the pop a little bit because they'd probably get the grab and still make it happen but when you're a competitor at the time or you're you know one of your peers is that you're like oh man he kind of missed that but he saved it like you can just see these minuscule minuscule kind of motions that kind of help dictate the trick and get it around for him so it's pretty interesting would you say that that is one of the big differences you would point out like in a comp, who knows? And you're feeling real lucky and good if you're catching that perfect pop off a jump. Do you find that you've got a higher success rate or ratio of hitting that in the backcountry, or not necessarily? Oh uh, no, I, I think it's way harder in the backcountry. <laughs> I mean, for me personally, but I think it's all just like what you're used to riding, um, and just the more time you get in that certain, you know, uh, I don't know, just terrain then it just becomes supernatural but uh i think yeah i don't know they're so different but on the big days when like the weather's perfect and the conditions are right it's it feels like a contest when you're in the backcountry just because you're like man this does not happen that often and this is kind of my chance to you know to get that footage that will stand like it's a contest you know what i mean so it's like it's it's really funny just to like feel the parallels as far as like competitiveness with yourself but in totally different environments, uh, which has just been really crazy to, 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 to like be in the back country and it's more of a chill vibe and you know, you're in nature and it's silent, there's no one around, but you kind of have to bring that, like that, that animal out of you and be like, all right, let's get this, um, without all the extra stuff that a contest provides to get you fired up. So at the start of this conversation, you were talking about, you know, skiing more in the back country these days, and you mentioned variables like, wind and sun, et cetera. Talk a little bit about just your own experience or what you have found to be, I don't know, maybe the most surprising variable or the most consistent variable where you're like, man, we got to figure this out again or, you know, or with every jump or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's, um, just snow conditions, like whether, you know, it's the avi danger and that's something I'm trying to obviously just always learning, always taking aware of the conditions and which way the wind blowing and how much sun there's been and cloud coverage. And so that's just something I really want to continue to keep, you know, 
putting the work in and into learning about just because that is, you know, obviously one of the most dangerous things on this planet. So um, that's definitely something. And, and honestly, just like transportation and getting the whole crew to the zone <laughs> and to these unique places because it's not either, you know, there's no like road being like, hey, you go right there. It's just like, all right, let's hop on the sleds or on the skins or however and go like discover which is super exciting, but also takes a lot of time. So yeah, I mean, those are a couple of the little issues we've kind of run into, but I don't think those are ever going to stop, obviously. <laughs> right. You just get to deal with those headaches forever. <laughs> so congrats. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> One sort of unrelated question about uh, dynamic medium. Um, our managing editor, uh, Luke Kappa, actually wanted me to make sure to ask you this, but... uh I think it was filmed at Winter Park, <laughs> the like super long follow cam shot. Yep. You've done several of these now, and, and I can just never get enough of them. Um, but the question from Luke was, how many takes? How many takes did it get to do uh, to get that one super long run? Yeah, that was a crazy one. Um, we were up there in late May, I think it was, and the conditions, it was so warm. And so like, the tough part of that is Peter, my brother, who's doing the follow cam. It's like, you know, he's dealing with spray and the, you know, the kind of sloppy conditions. And I'm, I'm like on sandpaper snow, just going back and forth. And so that line took three days to hand build. There was pretty much no cat work. And we had all the guys from Winter Park, the marketing team, the cat, the park builders and just random guys coming to help out. And so just all got a shovel and we built every single feature by hand. And then the day of the filming, we just, we took like, 20 bags of salt and everyone's just throwing it all, all down the run. And so it was pretty wild, but we tried it five times. And on the fifth time we got the shot. So it was, uh, yeah, if you see all the extra footage, it's hilarious. Cause I'm looking in the lens to see if there's like, if it got dusted with snow or whatever. And then we're at the bottom watching it on the little screen. And, uh, it's always a crazy celebration when we get one of those, but it's kind of, I mean, you're just so beat by the end. And, I had one where I made it the run before I got it. I did a, uh, did a rodeo five on the bottom jump and made it the whole way, did it super clean and then fell on the last jump. And I just, I just saw Peter, he just skied away. He didn't even ask if I was all right. He's just like, dude, I'm so pissed off. And then we'd get on the lift and we'd be like sparring kind of just being like, dude, come on. And then we finally went up and got it. And it was a, a pretty insane moment. It was a good one for sure. But five, five is the answer. And um, if you had told me 638, I, <laughs> I would have been prepared to, it, they're just incredible. And, uh, you know, and, and by the way, props to your brother. Yes. Now, when I'm thinking about some of the other kind of, you know, follow cam, one run, no cuts, it, has this been your brother doing most of these or all of these? My brother did the first one at Breckenridge that we did, which was, yep. that was a crazy one because that was just totally spur of the moment. And that was just during public hours. So there was just random <laughs> people riding. And we told my, our buddy Chuck, we're like, dude, go make sure the knuckle, the knuckle is clear right before the bottom two jumps. And the Chinese ski and snowboard team happened to be at Breckenridge that day. And so there was about 40 people on that knoll. And so we're coming down the run and I do a, uh, I do a rodeo nine or something and I do a switch dub nine. I'm like, Oh my God, we got this. We got this. And then we look at the knoll as I'm going into it last two features. And Chuck is like waving his arms, making sure everyone gets out of the way and then come in and do a hand drag three right next to everyone. And then ended the run. And so that was, 
that was a wild one and Peter shot that. And then this, the one we did at Mammoth, uh, which was the craziest one, I think, just because the vert we covered and then ending with some big features, that was ski chef, Matt Cook, who did that follow and uh, back to Peter for Winter Park. So um, the last couple of years, Peter's been pretty much on my every single shoot and he's been providing all the follow cams, which has been a really cool thing. Man, I, I swear, like, you know, sorry and no offense, but the first time I watched that Breck follow, is there's like a bunch of amazing skiing happening. The only thing I was thinking about is, I don't know who is shooting this right now, but this person is a hero. Well, that's why it was so cool back in the day, because none of that had really been done. Like in that, we were, we were shooting on a GoPro, but we had a, it was like Fui Tech. It was this Japanese company that was setting the gimbal up. And so it was even before GoPro made, made gimbals. And, and so it was like, people, their minds were like, what is going on here? And it was, it was one of those things. And then Peter just absolutely nailed the in-air follows in through the park. So yeah, I mean, Peter, Peter's been the all-star for me, like for the last four years, like, honestly, I wouldn't, nothing would happen if it wasn't for him. So it's, uh, yeah, just from the follows to the support, all the crises we I have during the year, he's always like put, putting the fires out. So, so much, so much respect to him. Talk to me a little bit about this relationship. I mean, you're brothers. Um, so if you told me we used to fight all the time, um, I'd be prepared to believe that. If you said you guys have always had a great relationship, I'd be prepared to believe that. But like, ha, ha, which version of the uh, the brotherhood has this looked like and and then how has that either shifted or continued as you guys have developed this super interesting partnership, um, you know, with filmer and skier? Yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. I mean, we were we've never been not close uh, growing up. But then when I was in high school and my career was just starting to take off. And when I was 15, from then on, it was just kind of like I would be gone and I would be in Europe for couple months out of the year and he'd be like oh where you been you know I'd come home and he'd be like I didn't even notice you were gone um and then when he went to college we ended up just becoming really really close then and so then on a couple of my couple of my shoots I'd call Peter up he'd be in spring break at you know in Cabo with his buddies um and then he'd fly out to Jackson Hole and come hit 100 foot backcountry jumps with me so um that was the first sign I was like this dude he's ready for this. He's ready to like come out and like be in the zone. And, you know, from then on, that was about five years ago. He's been, he's been on, you know, with me the whole, whole entire season. And, uh, he's been turned into like an amazing filmer and beyond the follow cams, he's running all our red, uh, setups and just, you know, really taking control of all of our media. So it's, I mean, it's the best thing for me that I get to have my brother kind of run all of that for me and take care of that whole thing. So, it's it's honestly been like really special and I'm so grateful for him and uh it's really really cool what we have going on. I guess a bit of a related question. Um the sport of free skiing has changed a good amount in the last decade that you've been a huge part of it, but so has the entire ski industry and the ski media industry. But I guess I'd be interested to hear you talk a little bit about as you guys have always um, surveyed the landscape and have needed to, you know, to see kind of what's going on and what's trending, where are things heading? Um, how has this all impacted the way that you guys have approached the sport through the last decade and how you're looking at things today? 
Yeah, I mean, it's changed so much. I mean, when I first came up, it was go to X Games, you know, you'd film with the film company and there you go. You're all good. Your year's over and, you know, you do whatever all summer and then you'd come into the next uh, next season. And then, you know, three three or four years into like my professional career, you know, Instagram started and then it was like, okay, now you kind of got to update what's going on and no one really knew what that was about. And then, you know, you're still kind of in the old school mentality. And then as you know, in the last five years, six years, it's just been insane. I mean, the, like the amount of content that is pushed is out of control. And so it's been a crazy balance to tell you the truth, because it doesn't really allow you much time to go work on a project and, and, you know, keep it secret and then really, you know, hype it up for a later release. It's kind of been like, okay, I got to take care of these sponsor obligations on social media. And then I got to film for this other video. And it's definitely been an interesting shift because your job, most people's jobs are full time, but it's really hard to get ski content and uh, um, do that. in you know, five of, you know, the 12 months we have. So it's been interesting, but it's amazing at the same time too. I mean, the, the ski community and you can see what people like, what people want to see. And um, beyond that, just, it's amazing to watch your peers just do crazy shit all the time on the <laughs> internet. And uh, honestly, like, you're just like, turn on your phone. You're like, oh my God, that was crazy. And, <laughs> and uh, it's just been, yeah, I don't really know. It's, it's changed everything, you know, as far as all sports and media and brands and making the correlation between those two has been, it makes it stronger. So, you know, in essence, it's a cool thing. It just is a, ba- a matter of balancing saving stuff and really putting time into things and holding on to it to kind of get in that quick instant gratification real quick. So I'm curious, um, when Bobby Brown is scrolling through his phone and seeing a bunch of different stuff like we all do, is there kind of a genre that makes you say, oh my God, I can't believe somebody just did that. Yeah. I mean, for example, like Travis Rice's Dark Matter, the video he dropped and all the GoPro clips he's released. Those have been like, when I've scrolled in the feed, I'm like, I got to stop and rewatch that like 30 <laughs> times because there's no one on this planet that could do that. But honestly, everything gets me fired up. Uh, you know, we were, sit- I was with Scott Gaffney and we were filming for my MSP segment this year and him and I were on the couch watching X Games Big Air together, which was like, pretty surreal to have Gaffney a legend who's seen it all and been at the you know the forefront of ski movies and then watch like you know x games and where it's all where it's coming to see Henry Carlo obviously do some amazing stuff there and Alex Hall is another favorite of mine to watch and hmm. every single person can kind of do something that blows my mind nowadays so um hmm. you know but in particular it's the backcountry stuff that really gets me pumped because I'm like thinking about oh man like that looked that's possible. Okay. Maybe we can work it into what we're doing a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of build off that. So yeah, it's like an appreciation platform. Like I appreciate what's going on, but it's also like, that's some inspiration too. And that's something we can apply to what we're doing. So it's, it's a pretty cool, uh, medium for sure. I really like that. That's maybe the absolute, the best, um, possible description of social media like at its best, social media at, at its best. And, and appreciation. There's some negatives. Yeah, there's some negatives, but as an appreciation platform, man, if if, if we all could kind of, um, yeah, or if some of the internet trolls could, uh, oh, if yeah. we all move to kind of like, this is an appreciation platform, they're, they're, uh, that would not be the worst possible world, I think, to to live in. No, definitely. And yeah, you get, you get bogged down by all the stuff that's on there. But I mean, I honestly don't go 
yeah, I don't go on it that much. So it's like when I go on, you know, I do a quick one and I see stuff, you know, in the, even in the quick scroll, you're like, oh my God, that was crazy. So uh, as long as, you know, you're not blowing your mind with way too much media content, just internet, I think, I think you can appreciate it more, you know, when you're kind of bogged down and you get in those modes when you're just watching everything and you're just scrolling through, it's kind of weighs you down. But if you take a time to step away, I think you can come back and view things and be like, yeah, like I said, appreciative of how crazy something was or how cool or unique that was. And then you can go out and do your own stuff. So there's definitely a balance though. Like, cause you know, part of our job is to stick on social media and to be aware of the trends and be aware of certain things. But at the same time, you just got to be who you are and go live how you live. And hopefully people appreciate it when you put it on the web. I just thought it would be interesting to throw out the names of a couple of skiers and just kind of have you go right off the top of your head on a couple of things that sort of comes comes to mind, you know. So we'll start with with the name um, Candide. Yeah, I mean, innovator, viral sensation. Anything he touches is gold, and uh, just the most powerful finesse skier on this planet. <laughs> that's a pretty. That's kind of it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, it's like he's everyone's. He's just put on such a pedestal. He's like, but his writing is so mind blowing. It's it's in that level that is just neck, not, just outer worldly. It's it. He's a cat, and it's amazing to watch anything he does. How early was Candide on your radar? I mean, I knew about Candide a long, long time ago when he was doing eight tens on the rails, and he was in the Poor Boys movies, and. Yeah, I mean, he was blowing minds back then. It was funny because we were just talking about the other day. Our radio was on 810 and someone's like, Candide channel. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, 810. I'm like, oh my God, that's a blast from the past. But (laughs) I mean, that was like 15, 16 years ago when he was doing stuff that today would be mind blowing. And, And just to see like him, he's just like the media God and he comes up with the sickest ideas and he's so creative and, and you see that side, but then you also see just like the raw way he rides and it's so it's so insane that yeah it's just mind-blowing I mean that's like a guy that you just stop and you have to watch things so many times because you're just like how did that even happen so yeah but he was definitely he he was on my radar since I was super young so it's cool to see him still pushing everyone like in all action sports (laughs) you mentioned him but uh Henrik Harlow yeah, Henrik is the man. He was just out in Jackson last week filming for his movie, which is going to be mind-blowing, which I cannot wait to see. Um, I mean, we we kind of grew up in the same era. So it was funny, Aspen Open just posted a photo when we were, uh, I think I was 15 or 16, and I was in third place. He was in second, and Alex Shalopi was in first. So it was like a, a crazy uh, throwback. But my first ever MSP trip was with Henrik, Harlow, and Alexi Godbu when we were 16 and we were in aura sweden and one kind of cool thing about henrik that i i remember him saying we were 16 at the time so this is super long time ago and this is before you know anything had really taken off and he's like man i don't want to just be like one of the good young guys i want to be one of the good guys and so it was just like kind of a cool mentality that he took even when he was super young that he's like you know i don't want to just be categorized as being young and good it's like i want to be one of the guys so He's definitely done that and just to see him continue his prowess in contests. And I just can't wait to see his movie because it's going to be amazing. Two more. Tanner Hall. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner's insane. I, I mean, he's still doing, he's still skiing at like this insane level. And just to see 
one thing I just have to say about him is just his hunger and like his excitement for the sport is super admirable. I mean, he's done everything you'd ever need and he could rest on every single laurel because he's, you know, I put him up there with Candide is in that, you know, type of skier. And so to see him still out charging and still doing things with such a creative and like childlike mindset is, is so it's just insane. Like to, to have that type of energy, it blows my mind. And, you know, he was one of my favorite skiers growing up and had the best segments ever. And then went and won X games like every year. And so that was what I wanted to do when I was growing up and, and just to see, you know, him still out there is, is pretty amazing. I mean, the guy is, he's just an icon and uh, I'm glad that he's, just charging and still one of the top dogs in the game. Last one. Um, you actually pick, let's say <laughs> your favorite up and comer. Oh man, that's a tough one. There's so many like new guys that are, are insane. And it was, like I said, watching X games, it was like, I didn't really know personally a lot of the guys. I knew their names and who they were. And I've watched them ski, you know, on the internet, but so it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he's not really a new guy, but Alex Hall is, is I mean he's an amazing rider and he can ride all sorts of different terrain and his contest prowess the last couple of years was you know unbeatable and uh, filmed an amazing segment with the faction movie so I'd have to give it up to him but yeah I don't know there's just it's like in every facet there's kind of a bunch of young kids that are pushing it and so um, this kid Luke uh, he's out of Mad River Glen and he's just I saw him out here in Jackson and he's an amazing little ripper and uh, you know. I think there's uh I think the future's bright for skiing and just athletes and pro skiers and the young generation for sure. It's interesting hearing you talk about, you know, in particular the drive of like Henrik and Tanner. When I kind of look at your career and as I just get to hear you talk right now, one of the things that I kind of think about somebody like Henrik or Tanner is it just seems like they just have to ski. And I think with you, it's maybe a little less about like, I just need to ski and a little more about you're just on the lookout. You're like, what's new? What's fresh? What can I learn? What might we do different? What's possible? What do you think of that characterization? I mean, that's, you pretty much nailed it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, I'm stoked that that kind of came across because I'm not the guy who's out you know, every day I got to go skiing. I got to go skiing. It's ski, 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 ski. It's, I, I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty broad just interest in life in general. So I think trying to add different types of cinematography and work on things from that side of things and bring it into my skiing. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I am definitely not uh, looking at skiing is everything I do when it's all I am. Yeah. I definitely think there's, there's stuff I want to kind of explore more, but I think skiing is definitely the facet in which I, I explore it with. So I, I would have to say like cinematography and video work and stuff like that is something that I love to do. I love to edit footage and shoot footage and take photos. And, and the fact that I get to mix that in with my skiing is a really cool and unique thing that I don't think there's a lot of people have that opportunity. So yeah, I mean, skiing is my life. You know, it, it is everything, everything around me is come from skiing, but I definitely do have different interests and, you know, think about other things and, uh, yeah, just try and blend a bunch of different worlds. Yeah. And I, I think just like both versions of that have to just be not only okay, but like 
laudable, right? So yeah, if you're the if you're the like quote unquote skier who's just like I don't care about anything else, all I want to do is ski all the time, that's awesome. But if you're somebody who's like I absolutely love this, but it is also it's a it's a way in to all of these other different mediums and art forms and the rest. I I'm just like anybody who wants to criticize that, I got no time. Like that's just letting your world expand, right? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of things that, you know, hold my attention besides skiing, but it's all for skiing and it's all, you know, it's all just trying to enjoy life. <laughs> that's just kind of it. Whatever facet I'm going to enjoy my life the most, then I'm going to do it. That's kind of what it comes down to. And I enjoy going out and being creative and looking at skiing in a different way than just being the ultimate shredder. And, you know, I, I just want to go out and I want to ride things super unique and I want to look at things differently and I want to approach it in an art form rather than just, you know, all out being the gnarliest dude ever. You know, that, that's what excites me. And so that's what I'm going to continue to do. Let's talk for a second about non-snow sports. How much attention are you paying these days to NBA, anything else? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm like an action sports junkie. So it's like skateboarding, snowboarding, biking community, surfing. I'm obsessed with surfing. So it's like those things are at the top of my list, 100%. Like surfing is all I kind of think about. And that's what I think is super cool about just what we're trying to do is we're just like looking at the surf community and look, looking at how they do it. And, you know, it's just, that's the vibe we want. We want to kind of encompass in what we're doing and like just the way that a wave is ridden and the way they look at, look at it and being outside and being totally immersed in, you know, those conditions is like, that's what gets me so fired up. Like every morning we go in the backcountry, we kind of turn on a surf film and we're like, let's embody this. And like, it's been a pretty sweet process because my brother lives in San Diego um, when we're not uh, out here in Wyoming and he is an amazing surfer. So it's just been like, we're both so into it and it just creates this like new vision and a new perspective that we kind of get to take into, into skiing. Yeah. So sorry, when did you get into surfing in a big way? Uh, I mean, I've always, you know, probably like the last seven years is uh, kind of it. And obviously don't get that much time in the water, but whenever, you know, there's an opportunity and I would visit Red Bull's offices a bunch in Santa Monica. And that's kind of where in my family lives, I have family out in Southern California and that's kind of where the, the spark was lit. And then, you know, from then on, it's just been like any free time. That's, that's what we want to do. So, you know, you've talked well about like the deepening interest in cinematography and filming and figuring out how to shoot stuff has that really gone beyond like thinking about ski cinematography like are you spending a lot of time watching i don't know documentaries or hollywood releases or like how are you actually spending your time with respect to just movies in general uh pretty much no hollywood or anything like that so it's probably 80% surf films, you know, got some skate films thrown in there. And it's, it's a lot of action sport driven. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's funny cause every industry shoots stuff so differently. You know, you watch a skate film and it's shot as a skate film, you watch a surf film and it's just different because the, you know, the, the, where you can post up and actually shoot is different. So, um, snowboarding to skiing, it's all so different. So it's been, it's actually super fun, like getting to turn that on and being like, Oh, I wonder how they captured that. Or just, I wonder the circumstances in order to get that shot. Um, so it's, 
it's uh yeah i don't know i kind of draw inspiration from everything though it's because everything kind of takes its own little twist to things and we were watching i don't know zombie land 2 or something the other night and i was like god that title sequence is so sick like what <laughs> if we did a title sequence like that and they were murdering zombies but the the lettering was like blowing up and doing all this cool stuff and i'm like man like what if we tie that into the project we're working on this year and so i i don't know i think there's like honestly inspiration for that stuff and you know, any video you see, you're like, man, like maybe we could make that. We could put that in ski films and that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Draw, draw on everything. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit. I mean, you're, you're, you say you're currently in Jackson based out of Jackson. I mean, are you viewing this as a temporary kind of relocation, a more permanent who, who knows? It's kind of a, who knows? Um, my wife, she is from Telluride, so we could end up in Telluride or Jackson, but the type of skiing that really interests me was here. And so it's been a really, really cool year getting to, you know, learn the zones, learn the weather patterns and kind of get out here and really, you know, figure that stuff out. So I don't know. We got, we kind of got to figure it out right now. There's a lot of things that we're dealing with to kind of make things happen, but our house is in Denver. And since we're you know, I'm not traveling as much and I'm based out of one spot. We're just trying to find the right place where we can put our roots down and, and make it happen for everyone. Yeah. You feeling like some pressure or stress around that decision or is it feel a little more chill and interesting than that? No, it feels amazing. It feels amazing just to have the freedom to go do that. But we do have a lot of things in, you know, our families that we're trying to figure out and take care of and make sure everyone is in the right place where they can all prosper the best, not just me. I'm curious as, you know, you've had this decade plus, more than a decade long career and really just been operating at the top and in a high level. And you have had these different sponsorships throughout your career, some very long standing, some more recent. And I guess I would be interested in hearing you talk a little bit, perhaps just more generally, about navigating that landscape. It always interests me when I get to hear about it from other industries and stuff like that, because it's it's such a unique thing that kind of goes down. But uh, I, yeah, I, you know, for example, I've I work with uh, Red Bull, and I've worked with them since I was seventeen. It's amazing. So it's been a, an amazing run with them, and and they've been just with them has been so cool because they have this whole high performance unit and so like back when I hurt myself back a long time ago they helped me rehab get back to where I wanted to be and there's been so many different phases that I've worked with them um you know whether it was mega slope back when I was 19 and we they built this crazy park at Kirkwood you know to now where they're fun you know they're funding and helping us produce these backcountry edits so to see the support kind of go through every single phase of my life and my career is, uh, is an insanely special thing and not, you know, not a lot of athletes kind of get to say they're, they've, you know, been with a certain sponsor for that long, but 11 years is a pretty insane run. And, and I, you know, I obviously love everyone at that company and just the direction that they've, you know, helped push skiing and all action sports is pretty special. So that is uh, definitely a really special relationship and, and honest and, uh, another, long-standing one was Smith. I've been riding for them since I was 14. That's mm-hmm. like, hey, that was the goggle I wanted back in the day. I was like, I saw Peter Olenek in the fuse regulator and I'm <laughs> like, I want to be on Smith. And, uh, I got introduced to Gabe Schroeder at the U S open 
um, a free skiing at Copper. And uh, that's kind of where the relationship started. And um, it's been an amazing relationship. I've had uh, had 10 pro model goggles with them. So just to work with the design team and to, you know, work on just logos and different frames and stuff like that has been such a cool opportunity. And I'm headed on a a trip to BC with them next week. So yeah, it's been amazing. And, and, you know, as this opportunity was kind of brought through Spider, uh, this has been a really interesting one just because I was with Under Armour for almost nine years, eight years. And, uh, you know, when Spider kind of approached the situation, I was like, man, like this could be an insane fit, like Boulder, Colorado. I'm a Colorado guy. You know, they're trying to re revamp, you know, this free ski side of things. And so it just like kind of fit like a glove. And I'm like, man, like this could be really special. And then right when I, you know, went into the building was like, all right, let's design this line. Let's kind of get this dialed in. I mean, this has been a really cool ride with them. And I'm so proud of where the gear has come just in the last two years. And, you know, the third iteration of what we're doing is going to be really sick. And I just think the feedback's been really cool too. And to see people be like, what are you wearing? You know? And then I'm like, Oh, it's spider. It's the new line we've designed. They're like, Whoa, I did not think that was spider, you know? And that's no diss to spider at all. It's just like, you think about spider, you kind of think of a certain type of style and brand and who would wear it. And to kind of break that mold and to see like all these park kids wearing the gear and to see the U S slope and half pipe team wearing the gear and, you know, people out here in Jackson, I'm like, man, like this is what's up. Like, this is exactly the culture we're trying to, you know, kind of create. So it's cool to see it kind of come to fruition. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been a really, really fun process with those guys. And, and, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I I imagine this has to differ from company to company, but like this one, what you're describing sounds like they were one, I guess, pretty clear on like, we want to kind of take things in a bit of a different direction or at least expand, kind of expand who they might be speaking to and reaching. And then they're kind of like, Bobby, what are your thoughts? It was kind of an open book. It was like, hey, where do we want to take this? What are your, what are your opinions towards this whole thing? And so like, I mean, for a company to kind of open the doors like that, it was uh, something I've really never been a part of as far as product design and kind of vision of where the free ski line would end up. And yeah, I mean, they have some amazing people in there kind of helping mold the message and the brand and everything. So yeah, it's, it's been a pretty wild one for sure. Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's been a, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, crossing's a, a wild one. I was on Solomon since I was 15. And so I was on, I rode for Solomon for almost 10 years as well. And, uh, yeah, when that partnership ended, crossing kind of came into the fold through a, through a friend, Banks Gilberti, who's a Sun Valley guy and, uh, Chase Engelhar, who owns crossing approached us and, you know, he's like, Hey, we, you know, we, we make very specialty skis in Seattle. Just come out to the factory, see how the skis are made and we'll, we'll talk. And so Jameson, my agent and I flew out to Seattle and went and built a pair of skis and was like, wow, these presses, you know, we can change the molds. We can change how the ski feels. You know, there's so many things that we can kind of make custom. I was like, let's try this, let's do it. And so it's been a really cool process with them just to kind of like, you know, Solomon, makes amazing skis and they're bomber and there's, you know, I was having such, such fun riding on them. It was, but it, it was, you know, they were, they were there. That's what they were going to be. And yeah. so to come to crossing, it was cool to like, Hey, let's p- put some more rocker on this one or let's change like the nose profile on this and see how it rides. And so that's something that's been a really cool process. Just kind of finding like my sweet spot on, on equipment. 
Choose your own adventure question. Okay. The 18-year-old you would look at the 28-year-old you and think, what about this life that you're currently leading? 18-year-old me would have been probably pretty stoked on where we're going because, you know, we've, we grew up watching all this, you know, backcountry jumps and just exploring new zones. And, you know, at the time, it, I, you know, when I was 18, I'm a fully focused on the park, but all my favorite segments were those that kind of expanded out of the park. So uh, I think 18 year old be like, you're doing a good job, Bobby. Just, just stick with it. And, uh, you know, apply the same work ethic and, and same mentality you took towards getting to this position in, you know, park skiing and it'll click. Well, that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. When, when a person can, when we can honestly say that like younger version, you would be like, thumbs up, man. I mean, younger version of me was definitely less stressed than older version. So I think I need to embody a little bit of my younger self and we'll be good to go. All right. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, younger version says, hey, it's cool. Things chill, dude. <laughs> chill. <laughs> well, hey, um, okay. We're going to end with probably the hardest question of this conversation, but it's one I sometimes like to ask, which is um, what's the best question I haven't asked you. <laughs> now, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you buy some time here. The reason I like asking this is you know, we get done this has been a really fun conversation and thank you. Like like really solid. But you know, it's like we're about to get off the line and if and if you were to happen to be like and you know, I talk to a lot of people and if anybody we we hang up and they're like, "Wow, he didn't ask me about X." You know, or Jonathan didn't, we didn't touch on why, and it would have been fun to talk about why. This is kind of the way for me to like provide that bucket. <laughs> so that's yeah. what motivates this question. But anyway. No, I know. I, and I, like, I totally like, mine's kind of boring, but I already got it because it's something I would love to talk about. It's just like, who are the people that have kind of brought me to this point and allowed me to kind of live the life where I am right now? That's a good one. Okay. Um, and I guess I'll answer that one. And, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, like one thing that I think is needs to always be said, you know, when you're talking about my career and things like that, it's just how much thanks I have for my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother. Um, and just like their lives are so consumed with skiing because of my life that it's, it's insane. I mean, it's like my mom knows every single in and, in and out of skiing. She watches all the X games, all the due to her. She was at every contest, same with my dad. And, you know, my dad would be like, hey, do you see like Walsh is up in BC? Like, why don't you guys go up there? The snow looks great. And, you know, he every single day we're going out, my dad's looking at the weather report and being like, it looks like it was sunny today. You guys kill it. So, I mean, those those four people off the bat, you know, are just that they're who made me who I am and have just like got me every single opportunity. And, and you know, I obviously want to give a shout out to my wife, Nikki, who's been through it all. We've been together since I was 19. So she's definitely seen the ups and the downs um, and been there right at my side for all of that. And she's always coming up with the ideas for the videos and just giving her two cents. And she takes such a creative spin on everything. And so it's been, you know, amazing getting to work and be with her and beyond, you know, being married. She's just is like the best person to bounce ideas off and is so dedicated to my career. It's really nice to have. And so 
like to thank her. And then I would love to thank, um, I mean, all my friends, obviously. They just know who they are. All the buddies that I've been to X Games and done all the contests with and everyone who's helped me through all these projects. And of course, my agent, Jameson Keegan. And I think like that's a pretty special Hmm. relationship that not a lot of athletes have is like, he's one of my best friends. And uh, we've been working together since I was 18 as well. So that's a, a friendship and a, you know, a business partner that I really cherish and who's kept all these opportunities alive and helped us, you know, pretty much achieve everything we've wanted to and keep pushing for more. So I don't know. I just got a lot of people to thank and all the people along the way who have, you know, helped in each little minuscule way has made such a big impact on me. So I just got to leave it at that. Well, Bobby, this has been really fun. And uh, let's see, I guess today was a bit of a scouting day and tomorrow you're thinking you're, you're back at it, going to uh, get some filming in. Yeah, tomorrow we have a couple things lined up that I'm pretty hyped on. We've kind of been waiting all season for this. And uh, so we got an early call, 6 a.m. at the trailhead, um, and then straight to it. And this is kind of the project we're really banking on, working all year. It's called Tilted Perspectives. And so I'm really excited to get to work on this one. Interesting. Well, I already can't wait to see Tilted Perspectives. And I, I hope... Once the film comes out, I want to hit you up and ask you, all right, what was the thing in the film that you were about to go shoot the next day? We'll see. If, <laughs> we'll, we'll, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a great day tomorrow and uh, we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if the stars align and, and uh, you guys get some, some good final footage. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Jonathan. All right, man. You take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. If you are enjoying these conversations, we'd invite you to subscribe to the Blister Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice little rating or review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they like to call it. And be sure to tell your friends about the show. Of course, I want to say thanks to Bobby for the conversation. Thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Now, please go take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.